Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from one of our pastoral team members. As we continue now in our series, turn if you would in your Bible to Colossians in chapter number 3. Colossians in chapter number 3. Uh, this series is entitled, We Preach Christ, which is just a real strong theme in the book of Colossians. As we got started in this, I told you that the first part, the first two chapters of the book of Colossians, just deals so much with Jesus Christ and who he is, the blessing of Jesus Christ in our life, how that we're saved and how that he helps us, that fullness of Christ helps us as we go forward in our life day by day. And may we never get over that and may we never drift away from the presence of Jesus Christ and his help in our lives day by day. Now, as we come in the latter half, the second half of the book, it becomes very practical, and it says, if Jesus Christ and his love for you is sacrificed, if he has saved you, and if he lives and dwells in you, and will guide you and help you day by day, then here's some work that Jesus Christ can do in us. And so we're going to come to this part now this morning that deals with the Christian home, the Christian home. So let's read, if we would, the verses, and if you're looking inside of your bulletin there in the, in the, in the middle section at the top, just an outline that you can follow along with and fill out uh, as we go. So we'll talk now from the Word of God. We'll look at this matter of the Christian home. Uh, let's look at this, if we would, uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and in verse number 18. The Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, there's a whole bunch there, amen? But here's what I want us to do, and I want you to call it out loud with me. I want to, in those four verses, I want us to... Just simply out loud say the first word in each one of those verses. You ready? Verse 18, what does it say? Wives. Verse number 19, what does it say? Husbands. Verse number 20, what does it say? Children. And verse number 21, what does it say? Fathers. The Heavenly Father, just speak to our hearts and help us now, we pray. We'd ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepared this message, I thought of this silly story. But years ago, we were going to see my grandparents, and we were going from northern Maine over into Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, as we were driving, my dad was driving, and my mother, the passenger seat, and then the three of us were in the back. And so, to kind of pass some time, my brother and I were playing a game of chess, all right? Chess takes, you know, a superior mind in that. And so, each of us had made several moves, and as we came to this point, I was, I was, I was hedged in. I was stuck, and I really didn't have any move, and so... I was looking at it and trying to figure out where I could move and each different direction that I would move uh, would, um, would, would, would cause for one of my pieces to be killed, you know, in the chess terms and that. And so 
I wasn't fond of that. So we drove for many miles, and both of us were just simply staring at the chessboard uh, as it curly was laid out. Finally, after a long time, my brother looked at me real frustrated and said, are you going to make your move? I said to him, it's not my move, it's your move. He said, no, it's your move. I said, it's, it's your move, and we went back and forth on that several times. So he was really insistent that it was my move. I wasn't necessarily crazy about moving because I knew that I was going to lose a chess piece with any move that I made. But he won out like he did most of the time since he was an older brother, and so I went ahead and made a move. Sure enough, he took my piece, and the game went on. Now, as I recall it from over 45 years ago, I won the game in the end. Look, it's my story, and I'm sticking to it, amen? And so I think I won. So anyway, the game was over, uh, and um, we got stuck on this thing about whose move it is. Now, also, I think that we can get stuck in the family and the family relationships with this matter of whose move it is. That is, that we have problems, we have arguments or strife or difficulties in the home, and we're all just kind of sitting there staring at it. Not that, not that nobody is saying anything at all, but we're just kind of all sitting there staring at it, uh, and... Um, we're not really making any productive move. And so the question is specifically whose move it is in order to try to start to move this issue forward and try to strengthen us in our family relationship. Certainly that's what God wants for us and that's why that God gives to us so much instruction. Now you'd say, well, whose move is it and how can we know? And I'm not saying that this is always just specifically this way. What I am saying to you is there's an interesting pattern, there's a Bible pattern here that we need to see. And I want to show it to you in Colossians because that's where we're at. But I want to say, interestingly enough, this exact same pattern is laid out in the exact same way in Ephesians chapter 5 and also chapter 6. And you could check that out on your own later. So let's start, if we would, this is going to be another message, the next message, because it really deals with the matter of, of a work ethic and everything, which I think we certainly desperately need uh, in our country today. But look, if you would, uh, at verse number I want us to see this, if we would, now. Uh, and this, let's look, if we would, at verse number 22. And what's the very first word that says there? 22. Servants. Now let's go to chapter 4 and verse number 1. And what's the very first word there? Master. So what happens is, is that we have this arrangement, then, of a servant and a master. Slavery still exists today. And slavery is a common, everyday uh, uh, pattern or, or occurrence in some countries or many countries all around the world. Thank God for us in America and England uh, that that uh, ha was was defeated, and uh, we go forward with now with freedoms uh, in this world, uh, in our nation, and uh, in other um, um, developed nations around the world. But uh, slavery still exists. You might also call this, if you would, a employee and employer type of relationship. Now, if you take this progressively, here's what happens: you come to this, and it says. Uh, servants, this is what you're supposed to do. Then it comes down and it says, masters, this is what you're supposed to do. So what's interesting is the one who is under authority makes a move, and then the one who is in authority makes a move. Now let's move up if we would. Verse number 20, it says there, children, in verse number 20. Then in verse number 21, it says, fathers. So fathers or parents. And so interestingly enough, we understand then that the one who is, in this sense, under authority, the children, make a move, and then the one who is in authority, the father, the parent, makes a move. Now, there's a reason why I started at the back and I'm moving up, because now we come to the oucher, okay? 
and again, I admit that it's so, but we're just, we're looking at the Bible, okay? So let's look at the Bible for a moment, okay? So then we see in verse number 18, and it says what now? Wives, and then in verse in number 19, it says husbands. Now, I want to say this very clearly, and that is that it's not that the husband is more important than the wife. That's not what it is at all. It's not that one is more important than the other. But let's be honest and say that God has ordained roles, and those roles are very important. And if we operate within those roles, then we can have more peace and more harmony within our homes if we'll just recognize biblical and God-given roles, and if we'll conduct ourselves in those roles that God has given to us. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse number 5, interestingly, it says this. Have we not power, the apostle Paul speaking here, is himself as a man, but also as the apostle. He says, have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas. And so, Paul speaks here and he says, have we not been given a role or a position to lead or to guide for a sister, for a wife, and even in the sense of another apostle. And so that other apostle really indicates to us that we're not just talking about a matter of superiority here, but we're very, talking very definitely about roles. Imagine, if you would, that you're in the military, and in the, in the military we're going into battle. And when you go into battle now, and we need to have a very specific battle plan, and then also you need to carry out that plan with, with great precision, not only day to day, but really moment by moment you're carrying out that plan, and there are orders being given out. Imagine, if you would, that nobody in this military operation has any position of authority. Everyone is all equal. How do you think that's going to go in a military battle? Let me help you out. Very badly, okay? It's not going to work at all because someone has to be able to give instruction and ultimately someone has to be able to take the responsibility for the orders that were given out and so that will fall, of course, on someone. And so the wife would say, could say certainly, but I always go first. I always apologize. I so often take the blame. I'm the one who talks about the problem most often. And I want to say for the husbands as we jump into this now here this morning that we are not exempt. We don't get to not participate in this matter of the family and the home. Because what we need to understand is that for us as men, uh, no matter what it is that we would have some authority over, you're uh, a, a husband, a father in the home, uh, you are a manager or owner in a business, you oversee many, many, many different employees that are under you. Here's what we need to understand in chapter 4, in verse number 1, it says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Look what it says, verse number 1, knowing that ye also have a, what now? Master, who is where now? In heaven. And so all of us, listen to the statement now, all of us are under authority. All of us are under authority. All of us are under authority, and everyone will give an account to those authorities that God has placed us under. So let's jump into this, if we would, in this matter of the Christian home, and let's look, if we would, about the wife. As we see in verse number 18, specifically, it says again about the wife submitting. So it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And so, as we jump into this now, about this matter of wives submitting. Now... Uh, you, you wonder, you're like, I don't know about these roles. I'm not sure, you know, does the Bible still work today? Is the Bible still true today? There was a, there was a 
survey that was taken among married couples. This happened some time ago, but I thought the results of this was so very, very interesting. What happened was they, they were asked this question, amongst other questions, and the wives were asked, what is the problem or the big problem that you would have with your husband? The husband was asked, what's the big problem that you would have with your wife? There was a number one answer on both of these surveys and then other answers, but they really were down the list. And so there really was a very clear winner, if you would, as far as what this problem was. Interestingly enough, most wives said that the problem with their husband is, is that I don't feel like that he is connected with me. I don't feel like, ultimately, that he really loves me. The husband aunt said, the problem with the wife that he had, is that she is always nagging me. Now, here's what we understand from that. What the wife was ultimately saying was this, I need to be loved by my husband. And what the husband was ultimately saying was, I need to be respected by my wife. Which is exactly what an age-old book from God told us. Amen? So the fact of the matter is the Bible does have the answers. And we need to look to the Word of God and believe and trust God for those truths in our life. And so we see then about this matter of a wife submitting. Now, let's just look real quickly at a couple of the key words. Really there is a, a command and then a consequence, if you would, uh, in each one of these, just to see that. And so it tells us now in verse number 18, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then it says this, as is, as is fit, as is fit in the Lord. The word submit there then for us to see deals with the matter of to put under. Uh, best case is, is for you to place yourself under or for you to make yourself subject or to, again, voluntarily in recognizing God's role or order to place yourself under a position of authority or decision-making with your husband. Now, again, let me just say this, and I don't want to have to say this, you know, a dozen times, but obviously some of this doesn't fit in what the world would instruct us or what the world would teach us today. The only question I think you need to answer is this, is the world's answer working very well? Right? How's that working out for you? <laughs> you took the Bible and set it aside and decided to take worldly psychology instead? How's that working out for us as a nation or in the world today? And the fact of the matter is that we need to accept then God's instruction for us and to take that into uh, our lives. Now the word fit then means to, to attain to, specifically to be proper. And so it's a proper thing or it is uh, what would be fitting as the Lord would be concerned. God made Adam and Eve. He made Ad, uh, Adam and in, our, in, in God's image, let us make man in our image and then... It's not good for man to be alone, and God caused for Adam a deep sleep to fall on him. He took a rib, and he made woman, and he joined them together, uh, and the two became one flesh. So it's a vitally, vitally important relationship. In fact, the most important relationship next to our salvation and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that relationship, you have then what you'd say procreation, or you be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So because of that relationship, we have then a populating of the earth. By the way, having kids is not a bad thing, it's a good thing, amen? And as Christians understand that, then we understand that they're not a burden, but they're a blessing, amen? And we'll get to children in just a moment, but certainly that's true. Now, 
then how is it that we apply this specifically when it says about a wife submitting? We understand again that the wife is not, is not in any way uh, inferior. But what it does tell us, and we'll get to this in a moment, is that the husband has more accountability for the home. I want to say that this is so important. We had uh, a um, faithful, faithful couple serving the Lord, and they'd been married not very long. And they came and they sat down in my office, and they wanted counseling, and I was glad to do that. They were such a strong Christian couple, younger than me, of course, but such a strong Christian couple. I just really praying for God to give me wisdom with this thing. What happened was, is that she was really needing him to lead, and his personality was a little bit different, and he wasn't leading as actively as she wanted him to, and so she was doing that thing we spoke of a moment ago called nagging, and she wouldn't have necessarily wanted to call it that, but that was the tension that was happening there. So we were talking to him back and forth, and then I said this. I said, let's take the pressure off of both of you in this way. Here's what we want to do. God tells us that we are supposed to take all of our burdens and all of our cares, casting all of your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And so the wife understands the husband is supposed to lead. The husband is trying to lead, but not leading exactly as fast and exactly in the way that she wants for him to lead. So it's causing this tensions in their new marriage. Now, I'm sure that wouldn't be the case for any of us here, but I'm just using a generic example here. So what I said to them was, I said, when there's a problem or a need, whatever it is, I want for both of you to identify clearly what that need is. Just write it down on a piece of paper and put it in front of you. Then what I want you to do is to commit to both pray about it separately, but especially to pray about it together before you put any pressure on each other. Pray about it and really seek God's leading and ask for God to lead and direct you in this decision. So it was a simple thing, but they put it together, and it actually just hit to the heart of it, and it really took care of the problem. And so let's say this, then, that what we need to do here is that couples need to really pray together and take the responsibility, ultimately, ultimately of decision-making, and lay it upon the only one who knows the future, and that's the great God of heaven. Amen? So just lay it before him. I want to say that couples need to then talk together. They must. A husband then, in turn, must listen to his wife. I'm jumping ahead on that thing, but it is vitally important because the two have become one. However, the wife understands this, that when there is a final decision to be made, the husband needs to make that decision, uh, and he'll answer to God for that. And then what the wife gets to do is to simply yield or submit in that way and to encourage her husband as you go forward together. Now, let me be on a, a kind of obvious about this one thing, okay? So let's say that they're doing a, a transfer. Let's say that they're doing a, a prisoner transport, okay? And so as they're doing a prisoner transport, they've come into a facility, uh, and then a guard is ha handcuffed to the prisoner, and he's transporting him over into the building. They're going across to Footbridge at that time, and the prisoner is just causing all kinds of problems, pulling and pulling back again, hurting the wrist of the, uh, uh, of the uh, officer. The officer's trying to restrain him or control him, and he just can't do it at all. Finally, the officer gets so upset about that, he goes over and he grabs the prisoner, and he throws him over the side of the bridge. <laughs> Two problems. One, that's illegal. You're not supposed to do that. But we have another immediate problem that's going to occur to the officer very instantaneously, and that is that he is handcuffed to the prisoner. Here's the idea. Whatever bad happens to the prisoner also negatively affects the officer. Listen to this, wife. Whatever bad happens with the husband, even as 
spiteful as we might want to be sometimes, also causes a very bad effect on the family as a whole. Amen? And so it's important. Oh, the amens are really slim today. So it's important to understand. Now let's go on, if we would, the next one, and that is husband's loving. Now this is vitally important. Listen, you don't get to skate on this thing because this is so very important. The Bible says, then the husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. And so what happens then is that we understand about this thing of love. The word love is, is the word, you have three different words for love in the Bible, as you've heard. This is the word agape which is specifically a Christ-like love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the love that it speaks of here when it says husbands love your wives is it talks about a self-sacrificing love. Now Ephesians chapter 5 goes on further than that and says for a husband to love his wife as he would for himself. We know that men sometimes, you know, can do for themselves and take pretty good care of themselves. And so God is saying to the husband, I want you then to recognize the importance of the wife. In fact, I want you specifically to sacrifice for her. Now, I've spoke about this passage a couple of times, but turn back, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. In both of these places, these are parallel passages where it talks about the wife submitting and there where it talks about the husband loving. But there is a different reason or different conclusion, if you would, in these two verses. So I want us, if you would, to see in Ephesians 5, in verse number 25, here's what it says. So in Ephesians 5, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Look what it says. This is the outer part here for the husband, even as Christ also did what now? Love the church and how much did he love us? And he gave himself for it. Okay? And so this is how much Jesus loved us. He loved us what you would say a self-sacrificing love. That is that the husband did not put himself first, but rather he put first the good of his wife and the good of his family, wanting to work in a, super, in a, in a very sacrificial way in order to help to provide for the family, uh, not putting his own desires or his own needs first, but rather wanting to be able to be a blessing to the wife and to the family so there is a self-sacrificing love that's involved in this and so we understand that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and so he's to love his wife in a self-sacrificing way now what's interesting though is the conclusion from this it says and be not bitter against him okay and we're going to talk about bitter for just a moment but here's what I want you to understand then in Ephesians 5 25 husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. That is a high, high challenge, okay? Uh, a high goal, a high bar for us as a husband, but it is something that is very needed and very necessary. But I want to say that the conclusion in Colossians is also very needed and very necessary, okay? If it were not a real problem, then God would, not, would have not given it to us as a command, Here's what I'm saying. Husbands can get bitter at their wives. Amen? Now, a bitterness that we see, and just to see this for a moment, and then we'll talk about that further, but in Hebrews, if you would, in chapter number 12, Hebrews in chapter 12, and then in, um, as you'll see there, verse number 15. So Hebrews chapter 12, and then in verse number 15. The Bible tells us now in Hebrews 12, in verse 15, it says... Looking diligently, Hebrews 12 and verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail 
of the grace of God, okay? Unless this grace that helps and strengthens us day by day, uh, that we would miss the power and the blessing of this, okay? Look what it says in the middle of the verse. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, okay? Now, let's really drill down on this in this sense. You're not going to take long, but listen. Bitterness is possible if bitterness rises up in the heart of the husband and the father. One, that bitterness will cause great problems and troubles for you, but it is impossible for the husband, the dad, it's impossible for him to be bitter and it not to negatively affect the whole family. If dad's bitter, it's going to hurt everybody. Amen? Because dad has this little thing sometimes they call a temper. Where you yell and scream and pitch a tantrum like you're a little kid. And where you get mad and where you get upset and you huff and pop. When I'm the man and I, you know, and I just, you know, and just, just, I'm upset. Okay, you're upset, but you can still behave yourself. Amen? Amen. Just because just you're upset doesn't mean you have to act like a baby or a little kid. You can still be a gentle man. You can still act kind and loving uh, and not be bitter. Now, bitterness is possible. We said this already, that bitterness is possible. God told us this because it is possible. Now, one of the reasons why it arises is because we said already about a man saying, my wife would nag me or she would just kind of like pick, 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 pick. Don't do anything right. And she just picks and picks at me. So what happens is, is that over time, the husband becomes very frustrated when he feels like that nothing that he does is ever really enough. So he can be frustrated towards the situation. Now, that frustration then can grow from that. Let me just say to you as a husband, make sure this, make sure as a husband you are clearly leading because some critique that we get is well-deserved. Some critique that we get is well-deserved. So what we need to do is lead in this thing I said a moment ago about prayer, praying with your family, leaning on God, trusting God, and make sure that we're really really trusting God and putting this before the Lord. Make sure that we're doing that. But then also make sure that we're giving a clear direction for the family. If not, if we feel like that there's that pick, pick, pick that's happening against us, then we can become angry. That anger can build up day after day. And if we do not deal with that, then we will become bitter. Turn back, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. I want us to see one thing here now in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, just some of these are important, I'll lay this down, this will be the last place that we actually turn to, but in Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to see in verse number 26, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 26, the Bible says, Ephesians 4 verse 26, it says, be ye angry, men, listen to me now, God doesn't say, never ever ever be angry, because if you're ever angry, if you ever are angry, then you are sinning, that's not what God says, all right? What we're doing is we're trying to feminize men. We have in our country the feminization of men. 
One time I said too, and I know I'm going too long here, and whenever I preach to the family, I'm going to go too long. But one time I was sitting down counseling with a husband and wife, and I counseled with them multiple times about him dealing with the children. And that she said he had an anger problem, and so therefore she could never trust him with the children. Finally, after talking quite a while, I turned to her and I said, I'm finally figuring this out. As they say in Georgia, I'm tr I treed the raccoon, amen? I, I, we figured this thing out. And here's what it is. You're willing to allow him to parent as long as he parents the exact way that you parent. What that is called is the feminization of men. Let's be honest, amen? Let's be honest, okay? So, so listen, but men, it didn't say never be angry. Here's what it said. Don't get fleshly and carnal and scream and yell and slam things and break things when you're angry. That is fleshly and carnal and wicked and sinful. You cannot yell and scream at your kids. You've got to have a right spirit. And so you cannot just go into a tear because you're upset. You have to actually deal with the anger in a spiritual way. I know that sounds sarcastic, but I'm trying to drill down on that point. You have to deal with it spiritually, okay? So in verse 26, again, it says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. You cannot carry the anger from day to day to day. It will become bitterness. Look at verse 31, chapter 4, where we're at, verse 31. Let all, what now? Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Put it away with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so we need to learn these principles then uh, in from the word of God. Children obeying, children obeying. Children obeying, in verse number 20, children obey your parents. The word obey, this is so interesting, means to hear under. To listen, listen children, to listen as if you are under the authority of your parents. Not equal with your parents, to listen as if you are under authority to your parents. Right teenagers? To listen as if you are under authority to your parents because you are. Amen? And that's God's plan and that's where God has placed you. And so we have that to hear under or to listen as if you are under authority. And then it's well pleasing. So God is pleased and God accepts us as we have that kind of submissiveness in the home. Now here's what I want you to understand. Young people, listen to me now. You will reap what you sow. Sometimes kids go forward stubborn, rebellious to their parents because their parents just don't know anything and their parents just don't understand. I know better than they do. And what you're forgetting is, is that one day you are going to be a parent. And there is a God in heaven. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. One of the reasons why we try to lead our kids forward in obedience with a good attitude is because we realized that if they became stubborn and rebellious, then they would later on reap what it is that they had sown, and we didn't want that for them. We love them too much than to allow them to reap the stubbornness in their adulthood that they had sowed in their youth. Now, Ephesians 6 in verse number 3 that it may be, children obey your parents, that it may be well with thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So the way that children behave to their parents affects how those adult children are blessed in their everyday life. Amen? So what you want is that you want for your children 
to have more of the blessing of God on their life than you did even now on your life. So you want them to obey. You want to guide them. Sounds like I'm going to go through puberty. So I thought I'd point that out because you've been noticing that, amen? So you, you have to. So listen, children then, listen to your parents. Obey your parents, okay? And uh, put yourself under their authority and understand that as you honor them, that God will bless your life more and more as you get older. Now, the last part here is that parents, and I realize that it says fathers, and obviously the father, again, has a key role here. It's interesting to see statistics that say that one of the main reasons why children are juvenile delinquents, why they, why they break crime and why they're in prison is because they have no father or male authority role model in the home. Now, mamas, I'm not trying to torment you or afflict you if you don't have a husband or a man there in the home. Here's what I am saying to you by the grace of God. As you are faithful in Gospel Light Baptist Church, God has given to you wonderful male role models for your kids. And they need that. They need that. Amen? If they're in the children's department, if they're in the teen department, they have some others that can be role models in their life that you can point out characteristics in their life that will be a blessing to them. Okay? And so it tells us here about parents then. It says to provoke not. To provoke not. Or to stir them up. Like taking a stick, finding a hornet's nest, right, underneath the porch. And taking a stick and going underneath there and just stirring up that hornet's nest, right? Uh, and if you do that, you're going to get stung or you're going to get bit by that, amen? And so we're not supposed to stir that up because if you do, they will become discouraged. They will throw their hands up and they will give up. In Joshua 1, verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, listen to this, neither be thou dismayed. What does dismayed mean? It means someone who has just given up hope, okay? Neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee with you, whithersoever thou goest. So, here's what we need to do. Listen to this. This is one of the reasons why we provoke our children to anger. One of the reasons why we stir up anger is because we are not calm and clear in instructing them. What happens is we make a lot of assumptions. They should know not to do that. And then we, we tolerate it. We don't react. We don't react. We don't react. And then we blow up. And we feel bad about blowing up, and we pull back in our shell, and we don't react, don't react, don't react, and then we blow up again. And this is kind of how we go from, from ignoring, ignoring, exploding, we kind of go forth through life. And too many kids are raised that way. Ignore, 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 explode, ignore, 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 explode, and that's the life that they know, right? That's really all they know, which is completely absent of calm and clear biblical direction in their life and so that's what they need they need to be told how to do it they need to be given some direction in their life parents get frustrated and they blow up because their kids are not responding to them but many times they're not responding to them because we haven't taken the time to teach them and train them and show them by example how to do it now I, I, I want I want to close out here, but I want to make sure you understand that. We haven't taken the time to really show them by word and by example how to live life, how to live the Christian life. Joshua 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil 
for unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Here's what Joshua said. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so God gives us some clear instruction now about the Christian home, about wives. Listen, it's an oucher, but let me just promise you, God's way works a whole lot better than the world's way. I'm just promising you this. I'm just promising you this. I'm promising you, okay? Listen, it works better. So there was a woman who was one of the key women who started the Women's Lib movement back years and years ago, demanding the rights and everything. And what happened is that men didn't exactly know how to respond from that. So all these women were demanding, demanding the rights. And most men in their life simply withdrew from them because they didn't know what the proper boundaries were or how to respond. This woman, as she got later in life, she got saved and she was being interviewed. And here's what she said. We were demanding our rights because we wanted to be appreciated and respected. But instead of that happening, we were actually ignored and marginalized. So listen to me now. Here's all I'm saying. The world's way does not work. But God's way does. Amen? God's way does. Let's try it. Let's put it into place. Amen? Wives submitting, husbands loving with a sacrificial love, children obeying their parents and us leading them in that obedience, and then fathers and parents lovingly, clearly, and calmly giving biblical direction for your kids and helping them as they go forward in the Christian life, holding them responsible, giving them responsibility and accountability, but helping them forward in the Christian life. So let's apply those truths if we would. If there's someone here that doesn't know that you're saved and going to heaven, today is that day to settle that and to know that you're saved and that Jesus Christ is Hi, this is Brent Lenentine, and before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.org. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you were listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.